But if I could, uh, with the Lord's help and the Lord's enabling uh, this evening, if we could turn back to that portion of scripture that we read, Paul's letter to the Ephesians and chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and if we read again at verse 15. Ephesians 5 at verse 15, where Paul writes, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. But particularly the words of verse 18, where Paul says, Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, as you know, this evening uh, we're just continuing our study of what you could say the study is uh, pneumatology, the study of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And in our study, we've considered who the Holy Spirit is, and we've discovered that the Holy Spirit is a person, he's the third person of the Godhead. And as a person, he has a purpose. His purpose is to bring form, fullness, and fellowship into the life of the believer. And we've been looking at uh, the person and purpose of the Holy Spirit by uh, considering different aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We've considered the work of the Holy Spirit in the Bible and how the Holy Spirit has inspired the Word of God. The Word of God is God-breathed, it's Spirit-filled, it's the divine breath of God, the Holy Spirit. But more than that, we've considered how the Holy Spirit moved and worked in the Old Testament, how he dwelt in saints and upon servants. But then when we came to look at the New Testament, we saw that when the Holy Spirit works in our heart, we are baptized with the Spirit and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in salvation. And then as we saw last week, uh, when we were looking at Galatians 5, we saw that through the Spirit indwelling us and through the inspired Word of God, we are led by the Spirit. But this evening I want us to think about what it means to be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit. Because as Paul teaches us here in Ephesians 5, he says that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, he will affect our character, our conduct, and our conversation. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will affect our character, our conduct, and our conversation. Now the reason Paul was writing to the Ephesians, it wasn't to confront any particular problem of heresy. He wasn't addressing division within the church in Ephesus. Instead, Paul wrote to the Ephesians in order to encourage and to strengthen the believers in Ephesus. Because inevitably, Paul wanted these young Christians, he wanted them to grow in their faith, and he wanted them to be grounded in their faith. Which is why Paul's letter, you could say that it's very much a letter of teaching and discipleship. Where Paul, he actually presents to the Ephesian, the Ephesian churches, he presents to them both information and application. And you can actually see that in the structure of the letter. 
Because in chapters 1 to 3, Paul uses indicatives, meaning that he's giving information about the Christian life. And when you read chapters 1 to 3, it's all teaching. He's giving all this information about the Christian life. But then in the second half of the letter, in chapters 4 to 6, Paul uses imperatives, which means that he's giving application for the Christian life. And so the whole letter to the Ephesians, it was a letter of information and then application. Just how sermons are meant to be presented, both information and application. But here in chapter 5, Paul is giving, he's giving application on what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul says that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will affect our character, our conduct and our conversation. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, he says, the Holy Spirit will affect our walk and our talk. And you know, I'm sure we've all heard of the saying, if you're going to talk the talk, then you also have to walk the walk. And you know, that's exactly what Paul is emphasizing here, that a Christian will walk the walk and talk the talk. Because if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will affect our walk and he will affect our talk. And they are are our two headings this evening. They don't have alliteration, but nevertheless, we're using them. Our walk and our talk. Our walk and our talk. So first of all, let's look at our walk. Paul says in verse 15 of Ephesians 5, he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Now, it's said that the ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle, it said that he discussed and he taught philosophy. He taught philosophy to his students while he was walking around with them, which is why Aristotle's school of philosophy was called the Peripatetic School. I don't know if you've, ever heard, if you've ever heard of it. The peripatetic school. Aristotle, he taught his students while walking around. And Aristotle's students, they were often described as those who were peripatetic. And that's where we get the Greek word to walk from. It's peripateo, which means to walk around or to walk while being taught. And that's what Aristotle did. He walked around teaching his students. But you know, that's actually what Jesus did with his disciples, isn't it? Jesus walked around with his disciples. He went from village to village, town to town, city to city. And he walked with them, teaching them. In fact, before Aristotle in the third century, Jesus, you could say, he had the first peripatetic school. It was the peripatetic school of Christ, which is a school we all need to be in. The school that teaches us to walk the walk And talk the talk. And you know that's what Paul is actually emphasizing here. That in order to live out the gospel. In order to walk the walk. You need to follow the example and the teaching of Jesus. We need to be in the peripatetic school of Christ. Which is why Paul says here in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise but as wise. But you know, this isn't actually the first time Paul has emphasised the need to be in the peripatetic school of Christ. 
Because, you know, as, as soon as Paul moves from using indicatives in the first three chapters of this letter, he uses the indicatives for, as we said, for information. But then he uses imperatives in, in chapters four to six. And he uses the imperatives for application. And as soon as Paul begins to give application in his letter, he says right at the beginning of chapter 4, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And Paul, he then qualifies this by saying later on in chapter 4, he says, don't walk like the Gentiles do. Don't walk like the Gentiles in the futility of their mind darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of ignorance and because of the hardness of their heart. No, Paul says, that's not the way you learned Christ. You need to put off your old self and be renewed, he says, in the spirit. Therefore, says Paul, as we come to the beginning of chapter 5, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But more than that, Paul continues then in verse 8 of chapter 5. He says, at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. What does he say? Walk as children of light. And, you know, having brought us into the peripatetic school of Christ and stressed the need to walk like Jesus Christ, Paul then says in verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And with this, Paul stresses that in order to walk like Jesus, in order to be in this peripatetic school, we have to walk carefully, he says. The authorised version says that we are to walk circumspectly. Which highlights that walking the Christian life and following in the footsteps of Christ. That means we are to walk the narrow path that leads to life. My friend, Paul's application to us is to walk circumspectly. Walk carefully. He's saying, be full of care in how you walk the Christian life. And he says there in verse 15... Don't walk as someone who is unwise. Someone who's a fool. Walk like someone who is wise. Walk like someone who is wise. And you know, by contrasting there in the second half of verse 15, by contrasting wisdom and folly, Paul is he's alluding to Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Do you remember when Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is always contrasting wisdom and folly. Being wise and foolish. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. But narrow is the gate. And difficult is the way. Or straight is the gate. And narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. And you know, my friend, what Paul is reminding us this evening is that if we're filled with the Spirit, if we're walking by the Spirit, if we're being led by the Spirit, then we will carefully walk the narrow path that leads to life. And Paul says in verse 16 that we will walk the narrow path by making the best use of our time because the days are evil. Again, the authorised version accurately translates verse 16 
as the well-known phrase, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We're to redeem the time because the days are evil. And we're all familiar with the concept of redemption because of our, our own salvation. We've been redeemed, we've been bought back. A ransom price has been paid for our release from the bondage and slavery of sin. And we've been redeemed, as Peter reminds us, we've been redeemed not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Christ. And so we're all, we're all familiar with the concept of redemption because of our salvation. But you know, what does it mean to redeem the time? Because, well, we can't buy time. No one can buy time. We can't buy time, but we can make the best use of our time. We can't buy time, but we can make the best use of our time. And it's interesting, the word that Paul uses in verse 16 to describe time, it's not the word for time in the sense of hours and minutes. It's, instead, it's the word used for times and seasons in life. Meaning that when we're redeemed from the power of sin and salvation, we are to redeem our time from the power of, of Satan. We are to redeem. So when we're redeemed from the power of sin and our salvation, we're to redeem the, our time from the power of Satan. We're to redeem our life from all the distractions of the devil. And there are many distractions that the devil comes with. One commentator, he states, Time is to be seized with urgency from the grasp of the devil, not frittered, frittered away or used on worthless pursuits, but reclaimed and employed for God's glory and God's purpose. Life is not to be squandered, but rescued from evil and lived to the full for God. And you know, Paul's point here, it's so relevant for us, especially in the day and generation we live in, because there are so many distractions, there are so many attractions that take us away from walking the narrow path that leads to life. And if we're honest with ourselves, far too often we waste time on these distractions and attractions. And the result is that we waste our opportunities to work for the Lord and to witness for the Lord. We waste time, we waste opportunities to work for the Lord and to witness for the Lord. And you know, I love that quote from J.C. Ryle. Uh, I put it in the intimations uh, last Sunday. And I love it because it's so accurate and so challenging to my own character, conduct and conversation. J.C. Ryle states, I'm sure you read it when you saw it, do nothing that you would not like God to see. Say nothing you would not like God to hear. Write nothing you would not like God to read. Go no place where you would not like God to find you. Read no book of which you would not like God to say, show it to me. Never spend your time, he says, in such a way that you would not like God to have to say to you, what are you doing? And you know, it's a challenging quote. But this is what Paul is saying to us here. That if we're going to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, if we're going to be in the peripatetic school of Christ then we need to walk the narrow path. We need to redeem our time. We need to make the best use of our time because we live in an evil day. Therefore, says Paul in verse 17, 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And what Paul is saying is is simply, don't be foolish by living on the broad road, pursuing and chasing after that which will never satisfy. He says, no, live according to the will of God. And the will of God, that word will in verse 17, it's actually a biblical word. Biblical in the sense that the only way to know God's will is through the Bible. Therefore, the will of God can only be found in the word of God. And you often hear people saying, I want to know the will of God for my life. But you know, the only way to know the will of God is to learn and to live according to the word of God. Because the will of God can only be found in the word of God. Therefore, the only way to walk in the footsteps of Jesus is to walk in the will of God. And it's to walk according to the word of God. And you know what's wonderful in the way that Paul teaches is that he applies all of this to us. He brings everything together and he applies it all to us in verse 18. He says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And and you know, Paul, he applies this teaching to us using a negative imperative and then a positive imperative. He says, do not get drunk. That's the negative. But then the positive is, be filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk, be filled with the Spirit. And you know, when you actually stop and think about what he's saying in verse 18, Paul is comparing two types of spirit. Because as you know, alcohol is often referred to as a spirit. Therefore, Paul is making a comparison between the spirit of alcohol and the spirit of God. And he says, don't be filled with the spirit of alcohol, but be filled with the spirit of God. Now, let's be clear. Paul isn't saying that Christians shouldn't touch alcohol whatsoever. But Paul is saying that as a Christian, you should never drink alcohol to the point that you're drunk and out of control. And Paul, he's making this comparison between being filled with the spirit of alcohol and being filled with the spirit of God. Why? Because both spirits change our character, our conduct, and our conversation. Both spirits change our character, our conduct, and our conversation. If someone gets drunk on the spirit of alcohol, it changes their character, conduct, and conversation. Some may become more aggressive. Some stagger when they walk. Some say things that they would never say if they were sober. It affects their character, their conduct, and their conversation. That's what the spirit of alcohol does. And when the spirit of alcohol is working, they lack self-control. It changes the character, the conduct, and the conversation to the point that they lack self-control. But Paul says that a Christian, a Christian must be filled with the spirit and be led by the spirit and walk by the spirit because the fruit of the spirit is self-control. And you know, that's what we saw last week in Galatians 5. Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so my friend, when we're filled with the Spirit, we will walk in the footsteps of Jesus. We will attend the peripatetic school of Christ, and we will walk in the will of God by walking according to the Word of God. 
and it will affect our character, our conduct, and our conversation. Now, when Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, it's not a one-time act. It's not like being baptized with the Spirit or receiving the gift of the Spirit at salvation. No, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a daily experience. Because what Paul is saying is, keep on being filled with the Spirit. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. And we do that by walking daily in the footsteps of Jesus. By walking daily in the peripatetic school of Christ. By walking daily in the narrow path that leads to life. We need to keep on being filled with the Spirit by walking daily in the will of God. And by walking daily according to the word of God. And when we do that, Paul reminds us that the Holy Spirit will affect our character, our conduct and our conversation. If we keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit every single day, he will affect our walk. But Paul doesn't stop there. He says if we keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will affect our walk and our talk. Our walk and our talk. And this is what we see secondly. So Paul has addressed our walk, but then he addresses our talk. Our talk. Look again at verse 18. He says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, in these verses, Paul makes clear that we are to keep on being filled by the Holy Spirit so that he will affect our walk and our talk. So that as Christians, we will walk the walk and talk the talk. And in this letter to the Ephesians, Paul, he has already taught in chapter 1 that in salvation, we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Paul said back in chapter 1, I think it's at verse, yeah, at verse 11 or 12. No, at verse 13. He says, In Christ you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And then as an application of this, Paul says in chapter 4, he says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And you know, when Paul actually says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, it's the greatest proof text that the Holy Spirit is a person. When Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, he's, he's saying that the Holy Spirit is a person because you cannot you can't grieve an it, but you can grieve a person. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is a person. And he's often been described as a sensitive person. He doesn't like to be grieved. And he's grieved when Christians fail to walk the walk and talk the talk. But Paul teaches here that in order to prevent grieving the Holy Spirit... 
We're to keep on being filled with the Spirit. We're to, and we're to do that by walking daily in the will of God and walking daily according to the Word of God. And by doing that, he says, it will not only affect our character, our conduct, and our conversation. It will affect our walk and our talk. And with this, Paul, he, give, he gives from verse 19 to 21, he gives four examples of the way in which the Spirit will affect our talk daily. So Paul gives the imperative in verse 18. Be filled with the Spirit. And then using what we call four participles, Paul says that the outworking of being filled with the Spirit daily is that it will cause you to be, and each verse separates these different things, cause you to be speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, then make singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul says that the outworking of being filled with the Spirit daily is that it will cause our talk to be encouraging, elevating, enriching and enthusiastic. There's four E's for you. Paul says that the outworking of being filled with the Holy Spirit daily is that it will cause our talk to be encouraging, elevating, enriching and enthusiastic. Our talk will be encouraging, as he says in verse 19, because we'll speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. And of course this phrase, psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, it's caused a lot of debate over the years. But most commentators, whether they sing hymns or not, they will admit that these three types of worship material is what makes up the Psalter. Because the Psalter which we sing from, it comprises of psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Psalm 23 is a psalm. Psalm 100 is a hymn. Psalm 45 is a song. And so it's a book of psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. The only reason it's called the book of Psalms is simply because there are more Psalms in it than hymns or spiritual songs. But Paul says that when we're filled with the Spirit, our talk is to be encouraging. And we're to be encouraging by speaking to one another with Psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Meaning that we're to speak to one another and encourage one another with Scripture. We're to have fellowship with one another. We're to encourage one another by talking to one another about the Lord and about his word. I always remember the illustration of, there was a story of a woman who, her daughter had come round, she was a very godly woman, her daughter had come round for a, I don't know, a cup of tea or something. And by the time she was leaving an hour later, she said to her daughter at the door, you know, we have spent the whole time talking about other things, but we haven't, talk, we haven't talked at all about our Lord. And that's how conscious she was of the fact that she needed to be encouraging as a Christian, to be speaking about the Lord, to be speaking about his word. Not about gossip or about other people, but to encourage one another by using the word. And you know, this is what Paul actually emphasized to the Colossians. Because he said to the Colossians, he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. My friend, our talk is to be encouraging as we have fellowship with one another and as we speak with one another about the Lord and about his word. But more than that, Paul says that when we're filled with the Spirit, our talk will also be elevating. Our talk will also be elevating. Because we'll not only speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, we'll also sing, he says, in verse 19, as he goes on, we'll be singing and making melody to the Lord with our heart. And you know, my friend, whenever you may be feeling low or downcast in the situation and circumstance that you find yourself in, a great remedy to be uplifted or elevated is to sing the psalms, hymns and spiritual songs and make melody in your heart to the Lord. Because you know, there's nothing like worshipping the Lord. There's nothing like singing to the Lord. Because it's the Lord who has put that new song in your mouth. And the reason he's put that new song in your mouth, as Psalm 40 says, and as we'll sing it later on, is that you might glorify and magnify the Lord. So if you're ever feeling down, take time to worship the Lord. Sing to the Lord because he put the new song in your mouth. And you know, that's actually what many of the Psalms are. They're songs of worship to God, even in the most difficult and trying of circumstances. They're a response of praise, despite all that's going on. And so Paul says that when we're filled with the Spirit daily, our talk will be encouraging, it will be elevating, and then thirdly, he says, it will be enriching. It will be enriching. Because as those who are filled with the Spirit on a daily basis by reading and meditating upon the Word of God, our response, in verse 20 he says, our response should always be a response of thankfulness. And we should be thankful, he says, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because we are being filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. My friend, our thankfulness should be enriching because the triune God, this is the amazing thing. And you know, that's what amazes me hearing people praying. The triune God has worked in their life. And it's amazing. He's working. He has worked and he's still working in our heart and lives. And so when we're being filled with the Holy Spirit daily, our talk will be encouraging, elevating, enriching and enthusiastic. Enthusiastic. Do you know the word enthusiastic? It comes from a Greek word meaning belonging to God. The word enthusiastic comes from a Greek word meaning belonging to God. And you know, we're usually enthusiastic about something we love. Something we're committed and dedicated to. And as Christians, well, we are to be enthusiastic about God. Because we belong to God. We've been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. We, we've been adopted in the Beloved where God is our Father. We are being sanctified and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And every day when we come to the word of God, we are being filled 
by the Spirit of God. And our response to such a great salvation should be that we're enthusiastic, we're committed, we're submitting to one another in the fear of God. And out of reverence, he says, for Christ. You know, our response to this great salvation that we have is that we're to be enthusiastic. And so, my friend, what Paul is reminding us this evening is keep on being filled with the Spirit. Keep on meditating on God's word. Keep on studying the scriptures. Keep on having fellowship with one another. Keep on. Why? So that you will keep on being filled with the Spirit. Because being filled with the Spirit, it's a daily experience. And as Paul is teaching us here tonight, that being filled with the Spirit, it happens by walking daily in the footsteps of Jesus. By walking daily in the peripatetic school of Christ. He's our teacher. We're to walk with him day by day. It happens when we're walking daily on this narrow path that leads to life. We need to keep on being filled with the Spirit by walking daily in the will of God and by walking daily according to the Word of God. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit, He will affect and He will transform our character, our conduct and our conversation. If we keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit, He will affect our walk and our talk. And you know, our talk, as we've said, it has to be encouraging, elevating, enriching, and enthusiastic. So the Holy Spirit, his whole purpose is to affect our walk and our talk. And so Paul's message to us tonight is keep on being filled with the Spirit. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. Well, may the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. O Lord, our gracious God, we give thanks to Thee for Thy Word. Thy Word that not only teaches us, but it is a Word that directs us. And we bless Thee, O Lord, for it. We thank Thee that we are those who have all been adopted in the Beloved. We are those who have been justified by faith, We are sanctified and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And help us, Lord, as thy people to to walk this daily walk, to walk the walk and to talk the talk. We confess, Lord, that we often faint and fail. We realize that we are not what we ought to be. But we bless thee that every day that we open our Bibles, every day that we pray and come before thee, Lord, we thank thee that thou art one who is willing to teach us, a God who is willing to direct us. And Lord, we pray that we would be good students in this school of Christ. Lord, we we thank thee and we praise thee for thy patience with us, that thou wouldst continue to teach us, to lead us and direct us, that our prayer would always be like the psalmist, teach me thy way, and in thy truth, O Lord, then walk will I, unite my heart, that I thy name may fear continually. Lord, remember us and we pray. Remember those, Lord, who are laid aside this evening. We pray, Lord, that thine hand would be upon them for good. Those who are receiving treatment. Those, Lord, who are struggling in mind, body, or soul. That thou wouldst lift them up. That they would be able to cast every care upon thee. Knowing that thou art the one who cares for them. All continue with us then, we pray. Keep us on the narrow path that leads to life. 
and go before us in all things, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We shall bring our service to a conclusion by singing the words of Psalm 40. Psalm 40, uh, page 259. We're singing from the beginning down to the verse marked 4. A psalm that should remind us that the, the Lord by his spirit has affected our walk and our talk. I waited for the Lord my God and patiently did bear. At length to me he did incline, my voice and cry to hear. He took me from a fearful pit and from the miry clay. And on a rock he set my feet, establishing my way. He put a new song in my mouth, our God to magnify. Many shall see it and shall fear, and on the Lord rely. O blessed is the man whose trust upon the Lord relies, respecting not the proud nor such as turn aside to lies. These verses of Psalm 40, to God's praise. Fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.